Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch Show on AM 770 KTTH streaming on the KTTH smartphone app. He came out armed and ready for a fight. A fall city gun shop owner said enough is enough. And that is what's trending. What's trending? Crime. Thieves decided to ram a stolen car into a storefront for Fall City firearms. And it turned out that was a big mistake. Perhaps not as big of a mistake as it could have turned out to be, but it did not go so well. Because it turns out the owner in this case, his name is Lee Stallman. He always has someone at this store 24-7. And when you think about it, it makes total sense. When you are someone who is a small business owner in a state that is seeing a surge in these kinds of crimes with certain kinds of stores being targeted the most, they're not just pot shops or drug stores. We're also talking about gun shops. We had one where in Monroe just last week or a week and a half ago. You know that inevitably it is going to happen to you. If you are in certain industries in this state, you will inevitably be a victim of soft on crime policies that Democrats have installed. And they found themselves over at Fall City Firearms in that position. But in this case, Lee happened to be the one who was spending time in the store overnight. He was the guy on duty. And by the way, that's a good owner. He's not having some, you know, 22-year-old kid running the store overnight or staying there overnight. He's doing this himself. Because he obviously cares about his business, his investment, his life. And that was the night when he was there Monday, around 4 a.m., I believe. That was the night he was targeted. Somebody smashing through the front of the building. I came out armed, ready to fight if I had to, and I yelled, building's occupied, and they left. Now, if I were him, depends on the kind of firearm he had. In my head, he had a shotgun. I don't think he did. He probably had a regular handgun, but he, I would go... This building is occupied. And then a big fiery explosion behind him. But that was in a movie. That would be really menacing if it worked like that. Totally thought it would have been like a better story if he was, this building is occupied. Or do you do the after you say occupy? I don't know. I would do it before occupied because I think it provides a little bit of a dramatic pause, a beat. Just to get the film, I mean, this, you know, whatever happened moving along in in a more tense way. He was there. He was ready. Now, good news is for him, because no one wants to have to use a firearm in self-defense. You would prefer not to have to shoot someone. He didn't have to. He was someone who was able to just send the message that this building is occupied. Now, I'm not criticizing Cairo 7 TV who did this story, and that's the interview he was talking to or talking with. But they give virtually no ink and very, very, very little airtime to this story. And it's possible there was just a whole bunch of other stuff going on at the same time last night that they were covering. Not a criticism of Cairo. But I will say, this is a story I think deserves so much more time. So much more time. Now, this part is a criticism of local media in a general sense. When we have stories like this... They're all transactional. Here's what happened. 
Someone drove a car through the storefront of the Fall City gun shop, and the owner came out. He was armed. He scared them off. That's about it. Now, every once in a while in a story like this, you'll get some neighbor talking about how they don't feel safe in their own neighborhood anymore. All this kind of stuff is happening all the time. I just don't like it. Or they'll do something very, very useless like saying, I heard that the the Fall City gun owner was there at the time. Yeah, we just established that, but we needed to fill, I guess, three more seconds of, of audio on this feature. Those are the kinds of stories we get. And, and they're important to give those details, but what you don't end up getting almost ever, local media does not connect the dots. Now, perhaps they believe connecting the dots is a little bit too editorial, and, and I think that you, they probably have a point to an extent. But if we're concerned about the rise in crime, if we're concerned specifically about this trend that started two and a half, three years ago of cars, stolen cars being driven through storefronts for quick smash and grabs, if we're all concerned, let's actually start pointing fingers. Let's tell people why this is happening, not just what is happening. Why is it happening? And it's happening, as we point out on this show, every single day. It is happening because of left-wing soft-on-crime policies that tell the bad guys, we will not pursue you if you steal a car. We will not pursue you if you run that car into a storefront. All you have to do, bad guy, is get in and out really quickly before a cop can get there and make an arrest. But the second that you get into that car and you start to drive off, they cannot pursue you. When you tell criminals that, they will engage in that behavior. Part of what makes them criminal is that they do not follow the law. They don't follow the rules. But they also know the loopholes within the law that they can take advantage of. We know that that is the case. This is not my subjective view. It is objective. Y'all can pretend on the left that it's not. You can pretend to your heart's content. But we all know exactly what is going on in the why. It's also incredibly important to understand why lawmakers implement bills like this. Because if you don't know the why, how are you going to argue against them? And as importantly, how are you going to convince other people not to buy the garbage that the radical left puts out to justify their positions? Well, you know, what we want to make sure doesn't happen is cops, when they get into a high-speed chase... You know, they're murdering people left and right. They're just running into pedestrians. They're running pedestrians over all the time. Uh, puppies are getting run over by, by cops who are going after these. And it's just property anyway. That's the line you get. Now, is it true that sometimes accidents occur? Yes, absolutely. We have officers who are trained, who are able to look at the circumstances and say, you know what? It's 4 a.m. on a Monday morning. There are no cops or cars anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and pursue because it's safe for me to do it. And the second that it doesn't become safe, that's when I'll stop. And just knowing that there is the possibility of police officers chasing you, that serves as a disincentive. Because let's be clear, if these people knew that Lee Stallman was there in that shop armed 
really, really, really armed, they would not have targeted him. They target what they think is the most vulnerable, and they take advantage of whatever it is they can take advantage of. And there are too few people in this media atmosphere in Seattle or Washington that are willing to tell you the why. Some of us exist. It's not just me. I mean, I'm obviously I'm the best, but it's not just me. There are other people out there, including in local media that are tied to uh, Jeremy Harris. I'm a fan of his over at Como. I think he does a good job of connecting the dots. Obviously, Brandy Cruz, although she's not associated with Fox 13 anymore, she does this as well. Some of us actually are doing this. But the reason why we keep getting policies like what we have on the books right now and why things like this, crimes like this continue to happen is because too few people realize what's going on. Not everyone is like you right now listening to this show or consuming the news and doing the work necessary to understand what's going on. People don't always have the time to do that. And even the people who are listening right now, whether you're listening live or on a podcast or maybe a weekend best of, the people who are listening right now, you don't even know all of the information that's going on. I barely do. I get paid to do this, right? I get paid to know what's going on, why it's happening, where it's happening. That, that's my job. That is what I commit my life to. You all have families. You have your own jobs. You have your own commitments. It's really, really, really difficult, which is why it's so important for local media to step up and help connect dots, and they are not doing that consistently. And I'm not just talking about Seattle. Ignore Seattle for a moment. I'm talking about local media, period. Now, I've been doing some press for my book, What's Killing America? A book I got paid to write and everything. I even get paid per book. And I've been talking mostly at this point to local media outlets. I've done a couple of like podcasts and whatnot. But I've been talking to local radio stations. Earlier today, for example, I talked with the folks, with the folks over at... Uh, one of the the conservative talk stations, St. Louis, Missouri. And I made this point there the same time I made this point on KBC in Los Angeles on a conservative talk show. We don't have good enough media outlets, again, not always due to their own fault or bias, to connect dots. And that's why we have the problems that we have. No one truly understands what is going on and the why. They know when they're personally impacted, but that's about it. Man, that... Neighborhood I used to hang out with, hang out in, with friends, the one I used to, to live in. Man, it's, it's really changed. It's bad now. Oh, that park I used to take my kid to. Oh, no, it's overrun by homeless people. Man, it used to be so much cheaper to live where it is I'm living. Come again, why are we doing a reparations committee? What's the reason, huh? What? People aren't connecting the dots. They don't know why. And thus, they keep putting into office the same people over and over and over again. Meanwhile, they're complaining actively about the policies the people they're supporting are putting into place. And that's part of the reason why I wrote What's Killing America. Also, I wanted to become a bestseller so I can put it on my Tinder profile. But that's one of the reasons why I wrote What's Killing America is to shine a spotlight on all of this stuff that is going on and make it clear to you that the problems in Seattle or Tacoma or Bellingham or Spokane, not unique. They're happening in Portland and San Francisco and Albuquerque and D.C. and Atlanta and Chicago and Philadelphia. 
They're happening all over the place. And they're not staying in these Democrat-run cities. They are spreading. And so I hope, if, if anything, the takeaway from this show, whether it's just this segment or my book, What's Killing America, is that if we don't all do a better job of connecting the dots, nothing will change. We have to connect the dots for ourselves, and we have to connect the dots for others. And if we're not going to do that, we might as well just give up now. Now, maybe that's a lot for some people to handle. And I certainly acknowledge it's not not a lot. But if we're not going to do it, then okay, give up. Lee will have another car driven into his storefront. God bless him. They said on Monday, as they were fixing the damage, which was pretty significant, they kept the store open. He's not going to be shut down because of some thugs who decide to drive a car into his storefront. But if we don't do anything, if we don't say anything, if we don't help connect the dots for folks, it's going to continue. And at some point, you will be impacted personally, directly. And I don't mean in a way of like, oh, my park that I used to go to is now overrun by the homeless. It's going to be way worse than that. Or it's going to happen to someone you know and love. So I hope you take this as a sign of, or a message. You're going to have to step up. All of us will. I write about this in my book. It comes out a week from today. It's called What's Killing America Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. You can purchase it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. Head on over to walmart.com, bookshop.com, target.com if you even want to go there. And then if you're someone who likes to wait until the very last moment, day that it gets published, you can go out to stores on Tuesday or order it online. I guess you can also go to the Freedom Series, which we'll give you a hint about later on in the show. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? The homelessness crisis. Residents on Capitol Hill near Cal Anderson Park, this is within the former Chop Chaz zone, they are begging the city to do something about a homeless encampment that has come back. We just learned a, a lady was attacked by, you know, a few people that were in the encampment, and it's not safe. Of course it's not safe. Homeless encampments are not safe. Como TV went down to the neighborhood, talked to some of the folks who are concerned about what's happening. Yesterday morning, we were walking past the playground, and there were, like, a bunch of people just sleeping under the play structures. My son lives once at the park, but I can't even take him there because... I'm scared that someone's going to be laying in the street or sleep there, and then we wake them up, and they're going to attack us. Now, that's not a great feeling to have, especially if you're a parent. I mean, unless you hate your kid, but I'm assuming that's probably not the case for most people. Since July, we are told that assistance has been offered to the folks who live there 25 times. That's according to the city. Not a single person has accepted the help help being offered, which indicates the people offering the help are either really, really, really bad at what they're doing, or these are people who will not accept help no matter what. So please tell me, when dealing with someone like that, why is it that the taxpayers have to suffer consequences and the homeless do not? What is the justification? I get the whole, well, you got to have, you got to build trust. They've been burned before. I get, I get it. 25, 25 times. If you haven't built trust by then, that's either on you 
or it's on them and nothing will change. And so obviously these folks need to be removed. However, and perhaps this is the first time I've said this in a very long time, Capitol Hill folks, too bad. Some of this is on you. I certainly understand that not everyone votes for the the crazy left-wing politicians, like in this case, Shama Samwan on the city level. I get it. Not everyone's going to vote for Jamie, who is it, Jamie Peterson, the, the state senator, who's very, very far to the left. I get it. But you do live in a neighborhood that is known for being insane. And at some point, we are going to have to stop saying, well, you know what? We all deserve better. Now we deserve the government that we get, that we choose, that we vote for. And this is the government that right now Capitol Hill in Seattle has voted for. The same way the folks who live in Hilltop in Tacoma, the folks who live in downtown Burien or downtown Bellingham, The folks who live in small town Blaine, we're all getting what it is we voted for. This is what we voted for. Is anyone like questioning how this all happened suddenly or has it been going on for a very long time? And now it's becoming even more untenable. Well, it's only untenable until it's actually untenable. And the voters have not said it's untenable. Not yet. And by the way, just to give you a little bit of an update, because yesterday we brought you the story about the 70-year-old man who was shot in Soto. And I said, I'm willing to bet this is connected to the homeless encampment. And then we find out today it was totally connected to the homeless encampment. There's one in Soto that has been growing and growing and growing. And apparently it's tied directly to this victim. Shockingly, as some folks there spoke to Como TV, they said there's a lot of gun violence here. I heard pop, pop, and I heard another pop, and a bullet went right by my head, right by my ear. Wow, that's a homeless woman who had a bullet go right by her head. But we're leaving her there. We're saying, yeah, we'll let you continue to sleep in your little tent or your broken down RV. Yeah, I heard you had a gun be shot right by you, a bullet whizzed by your head. Yeah, we're going to let you stay there. Como spoke to another urban camper experiencing homelessness in a state of being unhoused. That's the new way to say homeless. Concise. Yeah. Not allowed to call him homeless. Well, I think it's kind of uh, unnerving a little bit to know that there were two incidents with gunfire down here. So back to back and recently. I hate guns. I hate them. I'm so against guns. Do you like living outside? Or do you also hate that? Because we can do something about that. I'm not going to be able to stop the bad guy with the gun because we live in a city that doesn't go after bad guys with gun, only the good guys with guns. Now, it does sound like this incident was somehow connected to drugs. Not entirely sure how at this point. They're just saying there's a lot of drugs in the area. They talked to some people who knows the victim but didn't want to say anything for fear of retribution. That's generally... In a case like this, when we're talking about homeless encampments, it's tied to drugs. We'll continue to pay close attention. I do know that the 70-year-old is still in critical condition. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending in Jason's world? So good news. It's not just in my world. It's now in your world as well. We just announced 
the KTTH Freedom Series, Saving Washington State. It's on October 24th. It's at the historic Everett Theater. Not only will, of course, Brian Suits and I be there, we've got some special guests. We always have special guests. And in this case, we've got Dave Reichert and Semi Bird, both gubernatorial candidates. They will be there. We have our friend, undivided host, Brandy Cruz. We have Discovery Institute's Jonathan Cho. We have, of course, KTTH Voice and PJ Media reporter, Victoria Taft. We will have there former Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best, Snohomish County Sheriff Adam Fortney, Snohomish County Councilmember Nate Nearing, the Washington GOP Chair Jim Walsh, and so much more. Now, tickets are on sale now, with a caveat. Right now, and for the next seven days, we're only doing VIP tickets. VIP tickets right now are for sale. $75 plus whatever the fees are. It includes not just early access to the theater. You get to pick the seats that you want, the best seats in the house. You get to attend a private meet and greet with me and Brian Suits right before the event. You will get a ticket for a complimentary beverage of your choice. And you will get a personalized autographed copy of my book, What's Killing America. Now, these tickets are going to be extremely limited. You will want to act very quickly. Just because I say they're only going to be on sale at this point for the next seven days doesn't mean we don't run out before seven days are up. So right now, if you want to be a VIP ticket holder or ticket holders, go to KTTH.com. You can't miss the huge banner that says Freedom Series. Click it and you can purchase your tickets. Next week, starting on the 26th, we have regular admission tickets for sale for only $7.70 plus fees. That is a great deal. This is a much bigger venue, so we were able to lower the prices to get as many people inside as humanly possible. Every single time we do one of these events, they end up getting sold out. And then someone says, oh, I wish I bought tickets early on. When they hear about what goes on, oh, I wish I was there. Well, you can be there. KTTH.com. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show. This hour brought to you by American Water Damage Restoration. Welcome back to the Jason Rand Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really do appreciate it. Don't forget the Freedom Series tickets are on sale right now. VIP tickets on sale right now at KTTH.com. Regular admission tickets go on sale next week. Again, all information available at KTTH.com. The White House keeps pushing Bidenomics on the American people, hoping that if they tell you the same lie over and over and over again, if they tell it to you enough times, from enough voices on enough networks and in enough newspapers and magazines that suddenly you're going to start to believe it and say, wow, things really are great. Thanks, Joe. That somehow you're going to look at the price of gasoline, the price of food, and say to yourself suddenly, wow, it really is better than what it once was. I mean, you'd have to have really short-term memory problems. <laughs> And long-term memory problems to go through that. But they're doing it anyway. 
They're doing it anyway. Now, they know that they're lying to you about the impacts of Bidenomics. They know what you're feeling and they know why you're feeling it, but they're pretending that they don't. And when you have a Treasury Secretary in Janet Yellen, she was on MSNBC, basically saying, I don't understand any why people don't understand. When, when you have someone like that telling you she doesn't get it, boy, is that a sign not to have any faith in her whatsoever. I agree with you that there's a disconnect and um, I don't have a simple and convincing answer, but Americans have been through a lot. The pandemic really took a toll on American families, on children, on households. Um, We are enjoying a remarkable recovery, but um, also with high inflation, much of it reflecting supply bottlenecks that developed uh, during the pandemic and then with Russia's brutal um, Uh attack on Ukraine, we saw a surge in uh, gas prices, in food prices. Um, Americans have um, been reeling from high inflation. Uh, Well, she got the last part right. I mean, she doesn't want to take take any kind of ownership. Or acknowledge in any way that Democrats spending out of control at a time when the economy was on the upswing. That had nothing to do with the inflationary crisis we found ourselves in. Nothing whatsoever. Turns out it doesn't create inflation when economy is starting to go up and showing signs of great recovery and then infusing it with even more dollars. Doesn't have an impact on inflation at all. But we're back to the pain you're feeling today. 2023 in September, that pain is due to the war in Ukraine against Russia or by Russia. It's due to the supply chain bottleneck crisis from COVID. That's that's still rearing its ugly head. Got it. Thanks. Yeah, we have great faith in you. You're definitely going to get this under control. Oh, and good news. Gas prices are at like record lows or something. I think we're really on a good path toward a soft landing. A good PF. Net over the last year, if you go back to last summer, uh, when oil prices peaked, gas uh-huh. prices are down $1.20 a gallon. Okay. Listen to what she just said there. If you go back to the highest point, of gas prices. It's gotten a lot better. Could you go to the point in 2019 before you were in office and tell us where those numbers are? It's not down, it's up, right? Yeah, okay. Unbelievable. This is just gaslighting, and they know it. They know it. We have right now in Washington State, we are the second highest for gas. $5.04 a gallon on average. That's the average for Washington. But I'm told it has nothing to do with the Democrat policies, the taxes, the carbon fees, none of that. It's just those greedy oil companies. It's weird because those greedy oil companies in Texas right now are selling gas for $3.42, Louisiana $3.39, Mississippi $3.30, Alabama $3.42, Georgia $3.36. 
Tennessee, $3.42. Man, why are they so greedy just at the Pacific Northwest? And all of the West Coast, it's so weird. I'm sure that's what it is. Now, here's a perfect illustration of how bad it's going to be for some people and how bad it continues to be. Last week, the Social Security Administration said, oops, we overpaid a lot of you in Social Security benefits to the tune of $21 billion. Or bad, misplaced a decimal. I thought it was just a crumb because I was eating snacks while I was going over the, the numbers. My bad, you have to pay it back. And people are saying, we can't afford it. We didn't realize that this was the kind of error that we had to be aware of, that we had to be on the lookout for. We got what we, we went through the motion like we normally do. We've been getting money every single month. Started to add up. We, we didn't know you screwed it up. You're the one who told us that you're here looking out for the little guy. We thought maybe we benefited from that. And so people all around the country are saying, yeah, this is too much for us. There was a local woman. Her name is Lori. $27,000 she owes. How in the world is she going to pay the back? She can't. She can't. There was another woman who's a mother of a, a daughter who's going through a genetic disability. And she realized too late that they were getting double dipped. They didn't realize that. And now she owes thousands of dollars. Like they don't know what to do. And attorney Rebecca Vallis with Century Foundation, she spoke with Cairo 7. The agency knows full well that they don't have some pile of cash that they're sitting on. So what are they supposed to do? It would be much different if the economy was thriving for all of these people and everyone was thriving the way that Bidenomics supposedly created. But when you're in a position where you can't give back, let's just say $2,000, which for a lot of folks is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But for some folks, it's just too much to give up. They don't have it to give. We had the story a couple weeks ago of the, what was it, 61%? 61% are financing their everyday quality of life products from rent to food to clothing, just things that they need, their necessities. 61%. You had over 50% claiming that they were living Paycheck to paycheck or nearly paycheck to paycheck. What was that, 51% or 47%, something like that. How, how is that a positive? Is that the Bidenomics you're talking about, living paycheck to paycheck? Financing everything? Oh, but Jason, didn't you see people are at least traveling again? They're going on vacations. Yeah, that's true. They're financing those vacations. They're putting themselves deeper into debt. They're deciding to do it because, man, you have two years of the COVID nonsense some point you're like, enough is enough. I got to do something. I got to get out of here. And that's what they've been doing. But again, Bidenomics. I don't understand why they get away with this with national media outlets. I get that left-wing reporters want to root for Democrats. You can still root for Democrats, but at least be a little bit more honest here. All you have to do is phrase it in a way like this. Bidenomics is getting us out of the hole that Trump put us in. Or you do whatever you want to blame Trump, blame, blame COVID, blame whatever. We're not where we need to be yet, but we're much better off. Instead of saying that, which they can at least say in a way that would be harder to debate, because, yes, we are better off than where we were when inflation was much, much, much higher. It's still too high. So say that. 
Instead, oh, well, gas prices are down $1.20. You end, they need to be down another $2 or whatever it is. They don't do that. They never, ever, ever show any regard for what people are truly going through. They believe that that kind of honesty might be used against them by who? Wouldn't it be refreshing? Who has ever gotten mad at some politician who said, look, things are a lot better than they, where they were, but they're not good enough. And I'm going to continue to work hard to get us to, you know, whatever that end goal is. Do you get mad at that person? You might not like their policies. You might not even like their personality, but you're not going to get mad at that kind of honesty. Yeah, things aren't going as, as well as they should be. They're better, but they could be better, even better. No one gets mad at that. And yet we never get that kind of language. When do politicians ever talk to you like that? Seriously, when was the last time politicians, including Republicans at times where things weren't going well, who would just be totally upfront? You'll have to get to a time in which there wasn't social media, wasn't 24-7 news coverage, and wasn't a thing called YouTube. Because at that point, you have all these politicians who fear, oh, well, they're going to, you know, my the, the party that I oppose is going to use this against me. They're, see, here he is, candidate so-and-so, politician so-and-so, acknowledging that things are not great. If you want to make them really better, go with me. That's what they fear, and so they're just not going to be honest with you or not tell you the whole story. And yet, why do the media, why, does, why do media members just sit back and say, oh, okay, whatever. We'll give them a pass. It's not that big of a deal. Don't they look at their own polling numbers? Trust in the media is at record lows. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text message. But don't make it a racist text message because that's what we're going to talk about next. Racist messages. Although I've got my spidey senses up on this one. I'm going to get into this story out of Pasco when we come back on the Jason Ranch Show. Welcome back to the Jason Rand Show. Don't forget, we've got a Freedom Series happening October 24th over in Everett at the historic Everett Theater. Great theater, by the way. It's huge. It's historic. It's huge and historic. Got it? Yeah. Any other H words to go along? Highly historic and huge. That was amazing. You're so good at what you do. I really am a wordsmith. Tickets are already going on sale. VIP tickets only are being sold for the next seven days. They include a meet and greet with Brian Suits and I before the event. It will be private. It will be amongst a small group of folks. You get to pick whichever seats in the house you want. You get first dibs. I already see three of the first row seats have been taken. One person got an aisle seat, which is smart because that's the one I would go. And I wouldn't go all the way up front because I just don't like that. I kind of like to be sort of midway the last Actually, more three-quarters of the way back, but aisle. has to be an aisle seat for me. So if you're picky like that, you can go ahead and pick out those tickets. You get a free copy, uh, autographed, personalized autographed copy of my book, as well as a little beverage ticket so you can get a uh, drink of your choice, including – it's not just Coke. Good to know. Yeah, just saying. Well, you can't partake. partake. Am I even invited? 
I mean, you're going to go. Last time you just showed up. Is all I'll show up. You no one invited you. About did, did I technically invite you? No. Did you show up? Yes. So then why are you asking me now? Did we give you a hard time? Well, we did. I did try to have you removed. <laughs> and then we decided to make you the bouncer. Uh, tickets on sale right now. VIP tickets, uh, KTTH.com. Special guests include Brandy Cruz, Adam Fortney, Sheriff of Snohomish County, former SPD Chief Carmen Best, Jonathan Cho, Victoria Taft, Jim Walsh. The list goes on and on. Of course, both Dave Reichert and Semi Bird in the, in the same building at the same time. Oof. Is that going to get awkward? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We'll, you can only know if you show up to the event. Tickets at KTTH.com. Okay. There's a story out of Pasco that's got my spidey senses going a little bit. It's about a black city council member who apparently had a racist letter sent to him. One that is very over the top. Now, before I go any further, let me be clear about something. I am not saying that this is a hoax. I'm not saying that the individual council member is responsible because I don't think that. I think, however, this is a fake letter that someone else sent to make Republicans look bad. I have no reason to believe any individual who's directly on the council or a staff. Like, I have no idea if they're involved. I don't think that. But tell me if this letter is just a little weird to, to you. The Republican Party of Pasco will not let a quote-unquote black serve going forward. Okay, first line, we're not going to let a black serve going forward. Now, it is certainly true that there are crazy people who are racist out there, right, and who have bad grammar and all that stuff. Totally concede that, and I'm not saying that's not a possibility. It very clearly is. But that is so over the top. And in, like, there's no subtlety there. We're not not even a black person, a black. That just seems like it was purposely written to get some coverage attached to Republicans, whom have nothing to do with this. By the way, it continues. We will block the upcoming election, whatever that means, and the current Republicans on the Pasco Council will help ensure that the upcoming election does not allow a black to serve anymore which is a Democrat. (laughs) What is that? We are building and training a team to apply in numbers to overturn the black current council member. And every time black is written, it's written in quotations and in capitalization. I I don't understand this. Now, again, is it possible there's just some crazy person? Yes, 100%. But it's, can we all at least agree it's not the Republican Party of Pasco? Can we all just... Say, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to act at least in good faith and not even pretend that it was some official within the Republican Party of Pasco. Cool. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. I know I'm sure there's some Republic, uh, Democrat out there. Oh, no, this is how they talk. Shut up. This is not the show for you. We are strong and we will overturn the Pasco City Council to be run by the Republican Party as it should be. And with these strong leaders to help get as many Democrats as possible out of office this term who are up for election. We have a strong frontline help to get Republicans on the Pasco City Council. So they're making a big deal out of this in in a way that I think is a little over the top. Clearly, whomever is responsible either planted this because they want to make Republicans look bad or it's a legitimately crazy dude. It's one person. 
that this is going to be turned into something else is absurd. Now, do I feel bad, I guess, for the, the council member who was the recipient of this? Sure. His name is Irving Brown Sr. Know nothing about him other than I guess he's black and he's a, a council member That's liter- and a Democrat. That's all I know. I have no other idea about whether or not he's any good at his job, whether or not he's a nice person, whether or not he you know, punches kittens. I'm assuming he doesn't, but you never know. I assume that of every politician, Republican and Democrat. Definitely the socialists. That they do or don't? That they do. Okay. That's my, my one assumption. Because, you know, kittens are, you know, they're cute until they get big and then they're ugly. They and can be punchable. Yeah, they kind of are. So where do we go from here other than you've got articles like in the Tri-City Herald trying to make this into a bigger thing? Uh, let's just assume for a moment it's the crazy person. Okay, it's a one crazy person. This is not indicative of anything other than that. One crazy person sending one letter. How many crazy letters and emails and stuff do I get? I don't make that big of a deal about it. Now, if there's something actionable in the the letter or the email or the, the tweet or whatever, actionable in something being done that's illegal, I'm going to kill you, something like that. Okay, then we can make this a bigger deal. But right now, this is not a big deal at all. And I think everyone understands that this is very clearly wrong. It's apparently the second time that he has received these racist messages. And yes, they are, in fact, racist. This one just seems so on the nose. It just got a little bit of a, a, a spidey sense. Again, totally conceited. It can just be a crazy person. A couple weeks ago, he got uh, the N-word drawn on his uh, campaign sign. So it's it's a bad guy. It's one person there. 1-800-465-8770 for your texts.